Yes, you read that correctly. No, I didn't mean the school-to-prison pipeline. Hi, I'm Elliot, your host of today's episode of Everyday Analysis, brought to you by Train of Thought. On today's episode, we're going to explore something I call the prison-to-school pipeline. Yes, the prison-to-school pipeline. No, that is not backwards. Yes, I know, the actual school-to-prison pipeline. We will get into that in a different episode for sure. But for today, let's start with the prison-to-school pipeline. I define the prison-to-school pipeline as the connection between using school as an escape from a toxic living environment, which I've appropriately deemed the prison. You know, often when we think about why we need to escape from our homes as children, reasons like poverty come up, abuse, fighting, financial insecurity, um, and things of that nature. And so we think places like the library or our friend's house or more commonly sports. You know, we hear pro athletes say a lot of the times, oh, football saved my life, basketball saved my life, it got me out of the hood, it saved me from poverty, it saved me from this, you know, it helped me escape the fighting at home, the abuse I was enduring at home, football was my escape. But what about the kids that weren't so athletic or the kids that didn't really care about sports? Because for some of us, school was our way out. I'm going to break this phenomenon down into three, not three, five parts. Where it begins, where it escalates, the consequences, the end result, and what we can do about it. So let's start with the beginning, where it begins. Like many things in life, this behavior begins pretty early. Um, I'd say around first grade, because you're young and this is about the time that you can start to excuse me, this is about the time that you start to be able to pick sides in an argument and you can understand what's wrong in your household and you're seeing things that bring you pain, discomfort, and you really understand what's going on. And, um, you know, you're, you're in an interesting position because you're so young, you're not quite sure what's happening. You just know you don't like it, but you do know that for a few hours a day, you're safe. Um, at school. And so school serves as your Garden of Eden before you have to return to the Tiger King of a zoo that is your house. But this oasis, it doesn't last long because the older you get, the more socialization is frowned upon in school. You know, we notice that as the, the older you get, the more we focus on standardized testing and phrases like, oh, that won't slide in middle school, that won't slide in high school, that won't slide in college. Get to find their way into our vocabulary a lot more as educators and I think that that's why did I just say out like I'm teacher anyway and I just think that's really interesting because we kind of shame kids for socializing in a very social building and I think we got to study that when did academe become so arduous hold on is that next week's episode title come on shameless plug all right um but anyway so no longer is school about core values like friendship and team building and trust. It's not about snacks and napping and fun and recess anymore. It's about college. And so you turn to the next best thing. No, it's not drugs. It's a book. And suddenly no longer are you an underprivileged child who's has abusive parents, you're no longer dealing with financial insecurity, you're no longer in poverty, suddenly you're a wizard flying through a magical school with your owl assistant. You have 
a treehouse and two siblings named Jack and Annie, and you fight dingoes before dinner time and put out wildfires. You have a mental treehouse to return to, and so you live within the pages of these books, and so suddenly you, you, the more you engross yourself in these fictitious worlds, you can no longer tell the difference between what is their world and what is yours. But suddenly no longer can you live in the pages of a book because at some point you must return to reality. You cannot call on Merlin or your fairy godmother because they are not real. And I call this turning point the final chapter. The book is done, the pages are closed. You hit this point around sixth grade. Your hunger to read and thirst for knowledge has suddenly been squashed and you can no longer spend more than 30 seconds looking at a page. But why is this? And why do so many of us experience it? This, my friends, is where it escalates. You are now at the age where you must focus on exclusively standardized testing. And so reading has become a chore. It has, it's something you have to do for common core. Okay, it rhymes. It's something you don't want to do anymore. Bars. Um, reading has become a chore. It's just for common core. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Low E on the track. Um, find me on Spotify and SoundCloud. Um, but now your entire world outside of home is exclusively school. School lets you escape whatever's at home. Yelling, financial difficulty, poverty, abuse, you know? But what do you actually escape? Because what's at school? Underpaid yelling teachers? Underprivileged and understocked classrooms? Inedible food? You, f you, you screwed us over, Michelle. This is a PG Cup podcast. Much love to you, though, queen. Um, we'll get into that, though. But you must choose the lesser of the two evils. Not that you have a choice anyway, because truancy, jail. You're going to jail. Your parents are going to jail. Do not pass go, do not collect $2,000. Straight to jail with you. But you keep your head down and you make good grades. You do your work, you maybe make some friends along the way. But either way, for eight hours a day, you're safe. Your academic performance is everything. Your five-year plan started the day you stepped into that hallway for the first time. College is not a question for you, it is a must. Congratulations. Your self-worth is now based on your academic performance and you equate grades with what you deserve in life. Perhaps you've developed a superiority complex because you're in the gifted program or take advanced courses. Don't worry though, college will not get right out. Elliot, none of this sounds very healthy. And it isn't. This, my friends, is the consequences. You escape the drama of secondary education, but you are now thrust into the tiny universe called college. You'd like to think that you were there not for the education, but to escape. You spent your whole life running, but for the first time in your life, you get to immerse yourself in knowledge all day, and it happens away from the grip of your living situation. Except we've already read the final chapter and unfortunately, this book has no sequel. That hunger for reading is gone. That thirst for knowledge has been quenched, so we're left with what? A new living space. And honestly, that means more than anything right now. And this is the end result. A burnt out, tired, freshly escaped, or overprepared, come on, mom, friends, college kid living in a new place. Your living situation has changed, maybe for the better, if your roommate isn't crazy. But isn't anything better than your house? 
As a child, you loved career day. It allowed you to imagine a future with your own money and of course your own living space, but now that future is here. You've reached the day in your life when you no longer have to live in your house. You've made it. Now what? We talk about Harriet Tubman, this is so random, but we talk a lot about, you know, people like Harriet Tubman and freeing the slaves. I'm about to sound like Kanye, Lord Jesus. But we don't talk about what the slaves was doing after that, you know? To freedom! And now what? Now you have to start your whole life over and, and figure out what to do from here. And, and I think that's the big problem with once you escape your home. You make it to college, you make it to boarding school, you make it out, but now what? All you've ever known is running, and so... Now you're put in a space with this, this pseudo homeostasis of sorts. And so you do what everyone does when you have newfound freedom. You drink and you party and you skip class because you can. Because no one's hounding you because no longer are you worried about the bills or keeping the lights on and where your next meal's coming from or if you're gonna get beat again. Now it's fun. Now your biggest threat is your RA. It's your professor and it's people that no longer have control or that much power in your life that your family did. But this newfound freedom is the most dangerous part of it all. It will follow you into adulthood and when too much freedom is given, idiotism is let loose. Chiboka stands lost. And so in your attempts to become financially independent, you have become financially irresponsible. Because you can do whatever, you do the worst. Because you can date anyone, you date everyone, and you are now your own worst enemy. You are the head of the household you suddenly wish to escape once more. Yet you are your own captor. You sit powerlessly in your self-made cage as the key lies just beyond the admission of failure. Suddenly you've trapped yourself, and, and that's what happened. You, you escaped, you ran and you ran and you ran, and you didn't know what to do with stillness. And so in stillness, you became self-destructive. And you've now created an environment you don't want to live in, except no longer can you blame it on your parents. You can't blame it on your family. You can't blame it on your living situation because it's you. It's you by yourself, and so now you're forced to take accountability. Failing at school was never an option because if you failed, you were, you were throwing away your golden ticket to the chocolate factory of independence. But now you have to fail because you have to. I mean, you think about you think about the failure that was pent up from school because it was never allowed to be released. And now it's coming out, it's seeping out into different sectors of your life, finances and relationships. And so you're now you're you know, you're failing a little at life. You're a broke college kid, you don't know what to do, and so now where you could have messed up early on, you're messing up later where there are real world consequences beyond moving your clip. But it's time. It's time to admit it, to fail and to break down, to let go. Your inner child deserves it. Your inner child's hand is made of shards of glass and it has held on tightly to your hand as an adult, mutilating it as it clenches your hand in fear. Let go of that hand. No longer are you the child fleeing your home, so bandage your inner child's hand and hold it once more. And if you are that child still in your home, bandage that hand anyway. And the two of you should walk to the library, where it all truly began. And as you rediscover your love for words, I think you'll rediscover your love for yourself. So as I wrap up, 
I challenge you to be strong enough to stand alone, smart enough to know when you need help, and brave enough to ask for it. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, friends. As always, stay funky, spunky, spicy, and hydrated. And be sure to join us next week for another episode of Everyday Analysis. This is Elliot signing out. Peace.